This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Alan Thomas, formerly Commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Alan is the Executive Vice President for Special Projects at Trowbridge. And Alan, it's great to have you back on the show. Roger, great to be back. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you. Um, I know we're going to have a fun conversation uh, talking about what's going on in the in the market, you know, your experiences at GSA. No handlers today, right? That's right. Hey, so it's free-flowing conversation, It's a right? handler-free zone. Look <laughs> right. out. Um, but, uh, but first of all, let's talk about, so when did you join Trowbridge? Uh, so I joined in uh, in November, about mid-November. Okay, so you've been there like 90 days nine, or nine, so. I just yeah. passed the 90-day test. That's there, right. There That's you right. go. I haven't been fired in 90 uh, days. Uh, a good sign. That is a good sign. So... So what are you doing? And t- t- talk, a, talk a little bit about Trowbridge and what, what it does. Sure. So let me tell you just a little bit about Trowbridge. Uh, mid-tier IT services and engineering services uh, provider. The company was actually started by a woman named Karen Trowbridge. Grew up as a woman-owned small business. It was purchased uh, last year in April by Enlightenment Capital, which is a local private equity firm. And Karen brought in uh, uh, some uh, some new folks on the on the management team. I happen to know the CEO there. It's one of the reasons... Uh, that I um, that I joined the company. The goal of the company is to really uh, be a platform. So we've actually just completed uh, our first acquisition. We bought a company called Intelliware Systems, closed that acquisition right at the end of January. Uh, and the goal is to do two or three more of those over the next year or 18 months and build a true uh, mid-tier IT services provider, you know, kind of three to $400 million in uh, in revenue. I am on, as the as you said, the executive vice president for special projects, Right when I took that job, everyone said, "What does that mean?" So I'm doing a little, uh, a little ops, kind of looking, little operations, looking at some of our larger programs, uh, looking for some opportunities for improvement there, uh, helping out on the BD front. Hey, everybody does BD, sure, uh, particularly absolutely. In, a, in a smaller, mid-sized company, yep. right? Uh, eventually, I'll have um, uh, a little bit more central and prominent role uh, around operations once we get this first acquisition in and uh, integrated, probably sometime in the uh, in the spring or summer. So, so stay stay tuned there. So, um, and part of that too is you're bringing you know your your recent experiences at GSA, just understanding the federal government's approach. That's right. To to inform your new uh, your new organization, right? That's right. I have a I have a, a side job also uh, with Enlightenment Capital. They have a, an advisory board or a board of operating advisors, and I'm also serving as an operating advisor uh, to Enlightenment. They have uh, 13 or 14 portfolio companies. They are exclusively focused on. Uh, kind of middle market, lower middle market, government and aerospace and defense uh, companies, right? Gov services and aerospace and defense. Um, so that's obviously, you know, kind of for me a sweet spot. Um, right, sure. I've had a chance to interact with some of the portfolio companies, a lot of great leaders out there, and just, a, you know, a good chance to kind of share wisdom with those companies and help them on their on their growth curves. Right. And, you know, you know we, we talk about technology and that federal market, so much because it is ubiquitous. It touches everything that the government, every aspect of the government mission. Right? That's correct. It does. So, yeah. So, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, 
you're someone who's um, had a uh, a career that you've had. You've been, I think, I believe in what you because I've gone into government and then I left and I learned a lot in both places. And now I'm sort of in a different job, but um, but you might be back someday. Uh, you will see. <laughs> <laughs> I got kids and I got to send to college, uh, but uh, but maybe someday. Maybe yes. someday. Um, so you've you've I think done the transition three different times That's from right. government to private sector, private sector back to government. You know what, what is that like? I mean, that's it's a different ecosystems, different thought. You know, just thinking in general. Yeah, you know, what are some of your observations from from those transitions? So, you know, I obviously enjoy it, right? I am a uh, I'm sort of a generalist by uh, by trade, and um, uh, you know, so I, I like kind of being in situations where maybe I know about half the job, and then I've got to then I've got to sort of figure out the other half of it in a rel- you know relatively short order. Um, so that those transitions for me have been um, have been fun and kind of keep me keep me have kept me energized in my in my career. You know, I think on the government side, it's different, right? It's different than the private sector. There are many more stakeholders. Right. Um, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole oversight community in the government, right? Inspect you know, IG shops and uh, oversight from the Hill, committees on the Hill and staff and things like that that you you don't really have on the, there's not an analogy on the private sector side. Even a large company might have a board or something like that, but it's, um, it's different. You know, I think the problems on the public sector side are can be a little bit more complex and, in many ways, a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Sometimes even a, a bit more, uh, a bit more interesting, depending on what you like. The great thing on the private sector side is you can move a little more quickly, more uh, focused, right? more focused, right. uh, quicker decisions. Uh, you can be just a little bit more decisive in terms of what you want to do without having to consult so many people. Doesn't mean you just get to do whatever you want, right? But the uh, the number of people you have to convince and consult with to do something is generally smaller on the on the private sector side, so right? You can, the, so you can move more quickly. Yeah, it's a it's a it is a different dynamic. And you know, I had someone describe it to me a long time ago as the government. You're in a position like FAS commissioner. You're like there's spokes on the wheel, and you've got you know, like you mentioned the oversight community. You've got your customer agencies. You have the policy people. You've got your own operational people managing the contracts. You know, you've got you know, we, even within oversight, you've got Congress. You got the IG. You got OMB. You've got all those different stakeholders. It is a it's a complex um, challenge. And do do you see different talents that lend themselves to the you know more effective in government? You know, and you know not as necessary maybe in the private sector. I don't know. Or, or characteristics or behavior. Yeah, I think I would say I would say characteristics, right? I think you know, being in government, being in a senior role in government, it takes a little bit more patience. You might come in and say, "I've got, I've got a vision, right? I know we, I want to get from A to B. I think I can rally maybe the folks that work for me to get there." But that that's not all it takes, right? I've got to, hey, I've got to go convince somebody at OMB, and I've got to make sure the hill's okay, and you know, we we don't we don't want to get uh, we don't want to get out of joint with the IG on this, right? All those. Um, all those other constituencies have to be managed and cared for. Uh, you know, may, maybe you've got to get your own inside counsel on on board as well. Right. That can just and then take you have time. the private sector you're engaging with, right? And in, in that, your commission, and they have different constituencies within those. That, folks that's too. right. Sometimes they band together into these trade groups, yeah, right? Well, who, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who, who would do that? So I think. It's not that you can't get things done. You absolutely can, right? But it takes a little bit more patience and a little bit more time to work with all those different constituencies. And I think you've got to be willing also to take part of what you want 
and consider that a victory, right? Versus because chances are once you work with all those different stakeholders or constituencies, you're probably going to have to adjust somewhat to satisfy some of them. So it may not be you know exactly what you what what you started out with. Right. It's the art of the possible, right? That, that's right. And yeah. you say, hey, you know what? We'll take we'll take part of where we wanted to go and we'll call that victory and then maybe we'll keep you know we'll keep working to try and get the rest of it in the in the future. Right. So what and and I guess also the ability or or the care, listening I mean I, that's I don't know what your thoughts on listening are but it seems to me that just my, I recall my time in government that being open and listening to what people have to say just creates a sense of confidence I'm thinking the people who are communicating with you I, I I would agree with that, and I actually there there is you know way way back in my private sector career, I was an individual salesperson right for a software and services company, and I had a great boss who who taught me a lot about selling things, and he said the most important skill you can have as a salesperson is you need to listen right when you go into a meeting with a customer, you should talk twenty percent of the time, and they should be talking eighty percent of the time. Uh, and that's actually not a bad skill for a leader in government either. Right. right. That, that's a great point. That's a, absolutely a great point. So, um, one of the other things, we got about a minute left already. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, this, this has already gone really fast, Alan. I, um, we'll get to some GSA and market stuff in the next segment. But, um, you know, just you know, the, another thing I just wanted to get your sense of too is with regard to moving – back and forth between private sector and government is, you know, one of the things I learned is that what I didn't know, you know, and what I would have done, like when I left government and started, you know, counseling firms when I was a law firm and learning from members when I came to the coalition is, gee, if I'd known back in the government what I know now, it just informs your ability to be a better, you know, I guess leader of an organization Mm -hmm. as you move forward. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I I would agree with that. I I will tell you one thing that I think is the same in the public sector and the private sector: the people. So uh, you know, you'll hear sometimes uh, people who've only spent their career in you know one one uh, either in the private sector or the public sector will say, ah, oh, you know, geez, they've got sort of a view of civil servants, right? Or you know, some folks who've only been in government maybe have a view of folks in the private sector say, ah, I think they're always out to try and you know cheat cheat us out of a dime or something. Um, I can tell you, having been on both sides, that's not true, and that people actually respond to I think the same sort of incentives and are motivated by the same sort of things and generally want to you know to do well and do the um, and, and do the right thing. That was I'd never worked on the civilian side of the government before I came to GSA. I'd only been in DOD and only yeah. in you know kind of on the in the appropriated world, not the non-appropriated world like the Federal Acquisition Service. Um, and I was just so so impressed with the people um, that I had a chance to work with and the people that I had had a chance to lead at, uh, at at GSA. Yeah, that's yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. This idea, I mean, that people are motivated by the right things. Yes, you know, and and. and and I think leadership of an organization sets that tone, creates that culture, and it does flow down. And I think you know GSA over the last several years, and even before, historically, has been pretty fortunate in a lot of leadership they've had to try to focus on the improving acquisition to support customer mission. Agree. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He is executive vice president for special projects at Trowbridge, formerly FAS commissioner at the General Services Administration. 
And when we come back, we'll start talking a little bit about the market, what's going on. And, and I think we'll take a special close lens little look at uh, GSA and the Federal Market Initiative, amongst many other things. You are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is the Executive Vice President for Special Projects at Trowbridge. And Alan uh, left the General Services Administration, uh, Federal Acquisition Service, where he was commissioner and joined Trowbridge back in November of last year. And Alan, um, you know, I know you kind of have a great perspective and unique perspective, give, having led FAS during the initial stages of their federal marketplace strategy. It used to be initiative, I think. Now it's strategy. They've, you know, the marketing folks want to change those things up. So and maybe I don't have a right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But can you talk a little bit about the genesis of it, its goals, how you think it's going, and where you think it's headed? Sure. There's a lots of questions there, and we'll spend the segment maybe on a lot of them. Sounds good. Yeah, so the Federal Marketplace Strategy, or FMP, as we referred to it uh, internally, really is a collection of uh, more than 20 different projects that GSA uh, is undertaking. And all those projects are focused on uh, trying to make the buying and the selling experience better, right? Better for agency customers. So GSA is the preferred place where a customer wants to come to get their requirements satisfied and to make it much easier and simpler for our industry partners to bring their solutions to market, right? Everything GSA is doing in under that FMP initiative is focused on that. There are some uh, bigger, what we called cornerstone initiatives, now, my friends in PBS, the building service gave us a hard time because we had four cornerstone initiatives, and they reminded us that there's really only one cornerstone right, yeah. in a building. And we said, yeah. fine, it's four buildings. Then, right, right? Yeah. So those four cornerstone initiatives, uh, schedules consolidation, uh, which I'll come back to, right, I think is probably the, um, the biggest and most uh, momentous of the initiatives there. Uh, there's a, a contract writing system, right, or bringing a con- putting a contract writing, modern contract writing capability in the hands of the thousand or so contracting officers in GSA. There's a catalog management initiative, which is really about getting our hands around the data that we display out to our customers. Uh, and then there's a, a topic near and dear to your heart, which is the commercial platforms sure. uh, project, right? Yeah. The section section 846. So I think all those are still in motion. You know, someone said to me, well, how, how can you leave? We're not done with all that. I said, well, you know, I, it's going to be a while before we're done with all that, right? Um, but I think they're all uh, in a place where they're funded with um, with great leaders uh, and they have sort of a clear path ahead. And, you know, from what I've tried to sort of stay out of GSA business since I left, but, uh, you know, from what I've heard, there's sort of a theme of maintaining the momentum with those things and kind of continuing on with the strategy. Take schedules consolidation. This is a big year for it. There was a mass modification that, uh, that went out to the 12,000-plus uh, schedule holders. A source told me that forty-four uh, percent uh, of the uh, of the vendors and Trowbridge is in that camp. We have, yes, yeah. we have accepted the mass mod and uh, and sent it back to the government, which I think is is great progress, and I think really demonstrates that the team that uh, led by Stephanie Shutt that is driving schedules consolidation did a really good job engaging with industry um, and making sure that this sort of brought them along every uh, every step of the way. Right. So forty-four percent. That's yeah, my, my guess is they're ahead of schedule uh, with re, with regard to them. I mean, I haven't seen their metrics or um, anything, but it seems to me that you know if the goal I think was, if I recall correctly, to get 
you know, this phase goes through June, July. Correct. This they've summer, still got several months in yeah, this phase. Yeah, so they're, 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 they've gotten off to a good start. It's a good start. I, I don't know if they're ahead or behind of right. the intern, but, but uh, there was happiness for the person who told me that. So um, I, I, I think I'd be happy, ahead. too. You almost, yeah. You're almost halfway there, right? Yeah. Already, and it's still the finish the second week in February. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. So when you're out there and about, or do you get sense people are – the GSA has done a pretty good job in terms of communicating expectations and, w- and what people should know about, um, you know, schedules consolidation, what they should be thinking about. I think so. I mean, you know, Trowbridge was a great uh, was sort of a great example of that, right? We're, you know, still a, a, a somewhat of a small company, right? About 80 to finish the last year, about 85 million in revenue, right? So we have a very small contract group. We sort of went to that contracts group and got a, got a sense for, Tell me what you know about schedules consolidation, right? Do you feel like you've kind of been kept in the loop? Um, they had all the right answers, right? right? I mean, they weren't necessarily experts in it and knew all the inside details, but they basically knew where we were in the timeline. They knew to expect the mass mod, right? All, all those sort of things. So, you know, it's only one data point, but it's not a bad data point. Right. So and the flip side of that is the the customer, right? You can have the contractor, you need the customer. How is that going, the, the education of the customer about – what this means to them and how this can make the buying process for them easier. I think pretty well, right? GSA has a uh, customer accounts and stakeholder engagement group, which is sort of charged with getting out and explaining to customers all the different solutions that GSA has and how the how the customer might use those solutions. Uh, and I think customers generally understand you know, why we undertook uh, schedules consolidation and they and they see benefit in it, right? It's Simpler, we're going to align things with the government-wide categories, eventually try and align uh, special item numbers or SINs and the and the NAICS codes uh, to some extent. So from a customer standpoint, all that makes sense. And again, you know, the, kind of the fundamental premise of schedules consolidation was try and align the schedules in a way so that it matches how industry sells, which yeah. is solutions, right, product and service together to, sure. solve, mm-hmm. to solve a problem and how customers want to buy. Right, and – the bridge between the customer and the contractors your, are the systems. So, and that strikes me. And you, I know you're you when you were at. Um, I spent uh, some time on that topic. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah the story's going. You're the systems guy. I remember when you talked to, you know, your industry partners at a couple of different events. Uh, you talked about the number of systems that FAS had, and one of your goals, you know, was to move. Do get as much done as possible, you know, to try to reduce the systems, rationalize them, make them more efficient and effective. But part of this, the presentation of the information to the customer and to the contractors as well. So where's GSA on that? Correct. So I I think they're making progress. I mentioned the the contract writing system or the acronym is COM, Contract Acquisition Lifecycle Management System. Uh, There's an RFP out uh, live on the street as we speak for a modern enterprise contract writing capability at GSA. Now you might say, well, you know, if I'm an industry partner, why, why do I care about that, right? Well, the, the premise, you know, that I had at GSA was, look, if you take care of the employees, they'll take care of the customers and industry partners and the sort of results that we're looking for will take care of themselves. And one way you can take care of people is to put really good tools in their hands. So uh, the average contracting officer at GSA logs in and during the course of a week into something like 14 different systems. Uh, and 14 different four, systems. 14 different systems, right? And those systems, you know, they don't all have the same look and feel. That makes right? my head hurt. Some sort of, you know, hand jamming that, that has to go on, and right? So that sort of thing. Yeah. So from a, you know, if you, 
if you're a contracting officer, that that just makes your job a little tougher. Uh, and so, I would say for me, it would be very tough. It'd be, it'd be, right, for, <laughs> <laughs> I'm technology challenged. Okay, so <laughs> so you know, putting a um, a tool that just that makes their job a little bit easier in their hands, uh, we think will have or. or I think the premise when I was there was, look, that's going to have that's going to have benefit for customers and for industry partners, right? And just make the overall experience uh, better. So, anyways, from what I've heard, GSA uh, is continuing uh, to make that push. Julie Dunn, who congratulations to her, by the yeah. way, she's yes, the absolutely uh, permanent uh, commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service. Service now has, I think, continued uh, to push on a number of those fronts, but of course, with her own, you know. She, She's, um, uh, you know, got got her own her own spin on things, right? But um, I think in general, they, they've continued to kind of push in some of those uh, in some of those same areas, right? So, in looking forward a year from now, mm-hmm. or where will G, do you think GSA is going to be on these consolidation? These systems they're complementary; they they kind of depend on a, each other. Right? They do, they do. Yeah, I think we're past the point of no return on schedules consolidation. So, I, you know, I I, I would. There's been enough progress there and enough momentum that I think you know that that project will um, will largely be done. There there are, there's sort of a long tail to it because of some uh, existing BPAs and things like that. But essentially, I think that you know that team right. will have completed its work. The systems work takes a little longer, but the fact that there's an RFP out for the contract writing capability now is a good is a good sign. In a year, we'll know right. Hey, are right. they have they made progress on that? How many users are are on the system? Have they built interfaces to the financial system? Um, the, you know, those are those are things you can you can measure. Same with the um, with the catalog management initiative, which I think is a little further behind. But I w- just as a guess, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some sort of RFP out for that, maybe towards the end of this fiscal year or the very beginning of next fiscal year. And then commercial platforms, as you know, there's an RFP out. Uh, right, as, there's as offers we, in. That's and, right, and there's right. offers in, and so so you know, in, in a year, hopefully on commercial platforms, we'll actually have some commerce that's been conducted and some data to uh, to think about uh, and really you know have a have a true pilot there. So, and on the you know eBuy, when you talk about the catalog, you're talking about GSA Advantage, really, right? The kind of presentation and that's part big part of it, right? A big part of it, but 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 the underlying data also, right? What we how we manage that data, yeah, how, how you we, organize it, how we organize populated. it, how we display it to customers, how we get it from our industry partners, how do we keep it up to date? All those things. It's a there's a woman named Dina McLaughlin who's the regional commissioner in yes. Region Three, who I put in charge of that project, and I remember when I did it initially. Dina sort of came to me and said, ah, I'm not a systems person. And, I, you know, I, geez, I don't know if I really want to do this or not. I mean, you know, okay, maybe, right? She came, but before I left, she came and said, I am so glad that I took this project on, right? It's fascinating. It touches almost every part of the Federal Acquisition Service. And it is actually a really big, naughty problem that we need to solve. That's one I'm actually most excited to see what the right. team comes up with. And on that sort of point, it, it strikes me as, Actually, that's kind of position you want someone who's sort of a lay. I don't know what a lay person. Not you don't want a techie finding the techie solution. You want a solution that is logical to a contracting officer, right? Exactly why yeah. I pick someone like Dina, a good yeah. leader of people who would take a common sense approach to it. Right? You can put good technical people around yes. her. She's yeah. she's the sort of person right who would be able to sort of get to the essence of what the technical person was saying without necessarily having to, you know, completely be buried down in the, in all, in all the details. Right. So Alan, we're up on the break. When we come back, let's turn our attention a little bit to 
some of the issues that are going on around cyber and those kind of trends you're seeing in the marketplace. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He's the Executive Vice President for Special Projects at Trowbridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He's Executive Vice President of Special Projects at Trowbridge and formerly the Commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. And Alan, um, we talked about the federal marketplace and the strategy um, last segment, um, and there's a lot going on there, but there's also a great deal going on on the supply chain side, cyber. Um, it seems this last five, six, seven months, the tempo has just even increased in terms of where things are going to that, just the, trying to implement Section 889. The ODs come out with its CMMC uh, requirement. Um, was that cyber maturity model certification? I may not have exactly right, but – Sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah. So – and just the idea there that there's going to be third parties vetting the mm-hmm. cyber security capabilities of people contracting with the federal government. A lot going on there, and it – Strikes me, it's the government, you know, cyber requirements vis-a-vis the commercial marketplace and all that dynamic. Um, what are you seeing? Uh, so, like you, I mean, I think I'm seeing an increased focus uh, and awareness around, kind of all things supply chain and uh, and cyber related. And what's really interesting to me is, you know, it's part of the national conversation: uh, trade, tariffs, uh, country of origin. Uh, Huawei, right? I bet. I can yeah. remember I was in Department of Defense, right, working supply chain security issues in 2009, 2010. There were people in the department who didn't know how to pronounce Huawei when they saw it uh, yeah, in written sure. form, right? My kids now know how to pronounce Huawei, uh-huh, right? And right. they're 14 and 16. Right. So uh, I think just the prominence of these issues and their and the impact that they're having on uh, on acquisition writ large in the federal government is – is really, really interesting. When I first got to GSA, we we were dealing with the Kaspersky issue, if you remember. Yeah, I remember the that. Yeah, on Kaspersky Labs, right? And um, so, uh, you know, one, one thing I did is I said, boy, I made the case, and, and uh, uh, thank goodness Emily Murphy approved it. I made the case that we need to hire a senior leader in the Federal Acquisition Service to focus on supply chain security, and we put that person in a, you know, in, in, our, in our policy shop there. That, to, in me, to me, that was just sort of, you know, one data point or, you know, a small uh, indicator of how this issue has become much more important, particularly for uh, acquisition people in the in, in the federal government. Right. So how do you feel? I mean, the thing that strikes me is you're, you've got the push-pull of federal government, right? We want to do, you know, you're, you know, GSA is making the investments in the federal marketplace to make it easier, faster, slump, uh, simpler, simpler. Yep. you know, streamlined and get stuff quicker, then at the same time, you've got the the pushback in a certain sense with all the issues around cybersecurity, supply chain risk, you know, integrity of products and intellectual property protections, all the things that go with all that from a worldwide supply chain. How you know when you were sitting in FAS and you guys are thinking about this, you made a decision to put somebody sort of you know to focus on that. Mm-hmm. How does how does the how do you balance those two tensions when you're trying to figure out operational where operationally where you can go for procurement programs? So, uh, you know, GSA really is in that 
we are in the middle, right? I mean, that's that's GSA's role is to be uh, a market maker or a broker. I'm glad you stay. Well, you're always a GSA person when you've been I'm there, sorry. right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no you said we. I should, I should not I, say no, and I, force of habit. They, that no, that is GSA's no, role. That's okay. Uh, is to I'm be, a GSA person too, right? <laughs> is, is, is to be that market maker or that or that broker. I think it's important to have a balanced viewpoint. So, you know, an, a viewpoint that takes into account how industry feels about things, but also you know, to make sure you're doing the right thing in, in, uh, in protecting uh, the, um, the, the, the federal government. I think having what I would call a risk-based approach, um, you know, where it's not sort of a one size, the rule's not kind of one size fits all, right, depending on uh, what you're buying and, and who you're it's buying it for. And what it's going to be used for. Right? That's correct, right? There, yeah. there might be, a, you know, there's, a, there's a, 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 a set of rules that might be more stringent in some cases and a little, a little less stringent in, uh, in other cases. I know for, you mentioned Section 889. You know, there's a really, really uh, a good team at GSA. I mean, Jeff Kosas, who's a senior procurement executive, very fortunate to have Emily Murphy, who's, who's uh, well-versed in all things acquisition as the administrator, Jessica Salmaraji, Running the um, the Office of Government Wide Policy Shop, right? They they I think crafted um, a really common sense approach to how to how to work uh, eight eight eighty nine, right, and make that so that it uh, that there's compliance, but that it's also you know that it's bearable for um, for for industry. And they did it by taking kind of a risk risk based approach. You know, they out that have been have been outlined in uh, in some policy memos. So I think that in general that 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 makes sense, right? It's easy to sort of say, oh, we should. Never do this, or we should always do that. But in practice, it's more complicated than that. And really, what you need for people is a um, is a you know is a set of guidelines that you then can apply to different situations to try and make you know to try and try and make the best decision that you can with the information that you have at the time. Right. So, do you feel like you know one of the things we talked about in previous segments is listening, right? And and information, and I think information. Do you, what's your sense about Industry is industry fully aware of eight eighty nine at this point, or even what's coming down the road when it gets to the prohibition on use uh, of you know the government can't contract with a company that a contractor that uses Huawei in any sector. I don't what, think I don't think industry is has fully woken up to the potential implications for it. Right? I think the um, I think it, the impact could be broader. Um, right. That people are thinking about right now, and it, you know, maybe maybe one of these things that actually has to go into effect, and uh, uh, some inconveniences felt before people say, "Whoa, I didn't I didn't realize that, or I hadn't thought through the kind of second and third order effects of that to understand how it might impact my business." Um, you know, to the extent that folks can get educated, that some of the industry associations and things like that can get people up to speed, I think that'll be important because you know when you're putting rules and policy in place like this. You want everybody as part of the conversation. Uh, you know, ideally, you, you get that before it actually goes into effect, um, rather than sure. you know, ra- ra- rather than than afterwards. Right. So, and do you see? So, how do you know you were there? How do how does GSA, DOD, you know, DHS on these issues? You know, how's that sort of relationship go? That working relationship. I mean, sometimes you know they have different swim lanes, sometimes mm-hmm. different responsibilities, mm-hmm. but collectively they've got to work together to figure it out, right? I mean, how does that go? Yeah, I think in general, when I was there, I think we were we were mostly in sync with DOD and uh, and and DHS. In fact, you know, there's a there's a, a body called the FASC, the Federal Acquisition Security Council, 
um, which is led by Grant Schneider, who's the uh, the federal CISO, has reps from uh, uh, DHS on it, uh, reps from uh, DOD, right, the intel agencies. You know, I went to the first couple of meetings uh, before I left, so, they're, you know, they're kind of just spinning up. I think this would be an interesting year to see what the FASC actually does. That's a place where the right kind of people focused on these sort of issues come together and uh, and coordinate. So, we'll, you know, I think we'll get a sense for are, uh, is the interagency process working and are, are people in sync based on sort of what what co- the, what comes out of the FASC? That'll be one well, – that'd be one area I'd look to to see um, if, if the government makes any progress. Yeah, that's a that, – that's – we're going to watch that now too. I mean that's a good point. You know, it's statu- it was created by statute. It was. And it's like the government's got to come together and figure it all out. Um, it has a lot of authority ultimately – with regard to security issues and who can play in the government space, so that's you know, watching the progress on of, with regard to that that council, I think is going to be a key for folks across industry um, as well. Um, it's a great point, Alan. And you know what, Alan, we're already up on the break. So um, when we come back, let's talk a little e-commerce. I mean, I'd like to get your yeah. We have to talk fast. Twenty twenty GSA's training. Uh, conference down in Atlanta, April 14th through 16th, and then maybe finish up real quickly with a couple thoughts on the workforce again, circle back to that. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He's the Executive Vice President, Special Projects at Trowbridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is Executive Vice President Special projects at Trowbridge and uh, formerly commissioner of the Fed Acquisition Service at GSA. And, you know, Alan, so you touched on, I think, on the second, second segment of the show, you touched briefly on the e-commerce initiative, Section 846. Most people know of it as, um, you know, can you talk about a little bit about, you know, the goals for it, what, what, what GSA is thinking about from its perspective um, moving forward and, um, and and where you see it going. Mm-hmm. So it's I think, you know, on a program like that, high visibility, everyone has an opinion on it. It's oftentimes useful to kind of step back and think about why why is that being undertaken to begin with? So there's a there, there was a law passed. Right. But even even before that, I think the idea around the program was to make it simpler for people. Um, to buy everyday things they need to get their job done and to not burden contracting officers who are a valuable resource and scarce resource within the federal government, not not to burden those uh, COs and contract specialists with you know, kind of routine buying, right, that can be done under the micro-purchase threshold with, um, with, with a credit card and really to provide the people who are doing the buying with the card uh, an experience like they have at home, right? So when they get online and they, you know, they they – um, they use some sort of e-commerce site or e-commerce provider, right? They, they should have the same kind of experience at work. It should be that that easy, that simple, uh, and that quick to get your um, to get you know to get the goods that you need to get your to get your job done. So that's sort of the the premise of the program. Like anything, whenever there's legislation, uh, things can get a little bit a little bit complicated. You know, the team there I think has done uh, a good job um, of putting an RFP together and you know trying to get to that pilot phase where we can actually have some commerce being conducted and gather some data and then from there be able to make a determination about what to do from a from a from a longer term perspective so I'm you know I'm looking forward um, to seeing the pilot actually happen and to seeing what them what that 
what that team comes up with. So do you, do you see there possibly down the road where the e-commerce could merge in with the schedules program or be a, you know, somehow you can put those things, two things together? It's, it's possible. When, when I was there, Roger, you know, one thing um, that I thought a lot about and that we were trying to think through is, you know, when you go to a customer and you've, and you've got uh, different offerings that, that sometimes overlap. So if you think about the commercial platforms, the schedules, and the global supply program, right? Those are all important either initiatives or actual programs that customers like and use today or we hope they will like and use. They do. There is some potential overlap there. And so, you know, it's sort of like a, in thinking about that kind of channel conflict, right, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a business. How do, we, how do we put all or how would GSA put all those three things together to satisfy the different needs of customers out there? They could over time – Converge, right? You could you could absolutely see that. I think from uh, the commercial platforms initiative, it would be important just to get a pilot done and to be able to gather some data uh, and then figure out what you want to do from there. Schedules and the global supply program are you know longstanding programs with histories and customer bases, and so we've got you know we've got a good sense of or GSA has a good sense of what of what they have in each of those. They don't really know what they have yet with commercial platforms because. They haven't actually, you know, haven't actually gotten out and conducted commerce through that channel. Sure, sure. So uh, it's good points, and it'll be interesting to see how it all flows mm-hmm. um, and, and where things end up. Um, you know, one of the things I also wanted to ask you about, um, or just we could talk about, is Fast Twenty Twenty. That's what the Federal Acquisition Service Training, training conference. conference in Atlanta, April fourteenth through sixteenth. Yes. It's uh, it's gonna it's 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 going to be a big one. I know the workforce at GSA is really excited about that. Um, uh, you know, it was something that we thought was important to do. I heard we heard a lot from industry that they that they missed that chance to come together once a year, meet meet a contracting officer, meet a customer from an agency. And we felt like that that face to face contact was really important for some small businesses. That's oftentimes their only opportunity to actually meet a CO, meet their CO. From GSA in person, it's obviously a great opportunity um, to share a lot of information uh, and and uh, and conduct some training. We felt like it was a chance potentially to cut down on some travel costs that industry bears. Also, GSA is going to do the the PMRs or the program management reviews just before uh, Fast Twenty Twenty, so it's a sort of a two for one in terms of travel for a lot of yeah. Lot those of are the management members. meetings for like Oasis, for Oasis Alliant, and Alliant, the, and different HCAT, schedules. That that that, that yeah. that's correct, right? So that yeah. again, sort of a, a cost saving move, a, bur- a burden saving burden saving move. Um, all, all you know, all of which I think, um, all of which I think makes sense. It's going to be you know, I'm, so I'm an industry guy now, right? So I'm just going to sort of watch and see what that what that team pulls together, but. You know, before I left, that they had a good sense of what the agenda is, and they were building out the speakers and the, the I, yeah, education I understand they have tracks. Like two hundred some odd training sessions, yeah, or something a n- like that. number of training sessions. You know, you're going to get to hear from the OFPP administrator. You're going to get to hear from. Uh, you're going to get to hear about CMMC from uh, Katie Arrington in uh, in DoD. Uh, a great opportunity to, again to meet you know meet your CEO, meet a number of senior people from GSA, senior folks from government. Uh, I know it'll be well attended from an industry standpoint. It's going to be um, it's, it's going to be a great event. And I, you know the thought was um, that if it goes well, it's something that GSA would continue to do on an on an annual basis. Right, and I, and so and the the training is 
is free. It's part of the you. I mean you. Right. I mean, that's what my understanding that 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 is correct. I think it's something like 20, 20 or or more CLPs uh, are are available there. Right. So for, you know, if you're if you're a government person coming in, hey, it's a free show you get uh, and you, you get a chance to, uh, to do uh, a ton of training and, you know, maybe to meet some peers and do some networking. Uh, right. Among, uh, Learn know, folks. Get some industry perspective on things, right. which I think is important to get that cross conversation going. Agreed. Right. right? Agreed. So are you going to go? Uh, I am planning to go, yes. Uh, good. I look forward to seeing I'll you see down, you down there. there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you know, really fast 2020 is about the acquisition workforce, right, at the end of the day, both, you know, government and industry folks and that opportunity from learning to learn in a classroom setting but also learn from each other. So, you know, I just wanted to, you know, we've got a, about a minute, minute and a half left of the segment and just get your sort of thoughts you, you touched on it back in the first segment about I think about the the workforce and the importance of people um, and I know you know when you first came into FAS when you came to talk to the coalition you talked about people you talked about two things systems and people mm-hmm. um, you know just the, the care and feeding of the acquisition of workforce you know you, how central in your view is that to the, the future success of the system uh, I think I think it's probably the most important thing, right? The uh, and the you know the contracting officer, the acquisition professional, really sits at the nexus of the government requirement and the industry solution. And the way our the way our government is set up is, you know, we're just we're just not going to hire all the civil servants you would need, right, to execute every function the government undertakes. And so, therefore, we we've got to hire industry. So the role the the role of the acquisition professional becomes really important, right? Helping define those requirements and making sure industry understands them and then properly evaluating them and then administering after award to make sure the government's getting what it what it pays for. That is hugely important to mission success, right? To making sure that, you know, hungry kids are get fed by the food stamp program or that we're able to deliver medical care to seniors or, or that we're able to defend the country, right? The acquisition professional sits uh, in the middle uh, of all that. You know, so taking care of that workforce is is uh, is important. I think for the existing workforce, it's thinking about uh, new skills and and making sure that you're taking advantage of new technology. So when people talk about things like robotic process automation or AI, right? As an acquisition professional, how does that impact you? How can you leverage that to better do your job? Your role will probably change a little bit from what right. it was when you mm-hmm. first came in. And then also, I think for leaders, thinking about how do you attract the next generation, right? So you have you have kids either in college or or getting you know, or getting ready to go to college, right? How how would you think about saying to that person, hey, this is actually a profession you might want to come into. Here's why it's interesting. Here's why yeah. it's exciting. Here's the good you can do. How do you describe that in a way that gets young people uh, excited about the profession and wanting to come in and make a difference in that in that role or in that space? Right. You got to get them in. Then you make you can, the constant investments and care and feeding the work, the professional development. Um, that's all fundamental stuff. Correct. Right. Well, Alan, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Roger. And I will see you at Fast 2020, right? April 14th through 16th in Atlanta. In Atlanta. My guest today has been Alan Thomas. He's the Executive Vice President for Special Projects at Trowbridge. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. 
You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.